Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Before we get into the word, I just want to just stop just for a second and say, I love our church for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons that I love our church is that we are a church that we're not afraid to share God's word, and what I love about you guys is that you love God's word. How many know it's God's word that changes us, right? And uh, so it's, it's just been um, the last couple of weeks in this series, From the Grave, it's been such a joy and an honor to share from God's word because I have, I have felt so connected to the message Uh, but also very connected to you in this series, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I've had fun preaching it. And today we're going to conclude from the grave, and um, let's do a little recap before I dive into today. Um, The first week we talked about Believe Again. That was Easter Sunday. And we know that the story of of Jesus, the, the resurrection story, is a very powerful story. But oftentimes the surrounding events um, get missed in looking at his resurrection. And, and it's not that they're more important. Obviously, they're not more important. But there's some obvious events that took place around his resurrection that speak to us. And, and that being we got a glimpse into the life of the disciples, how they uh, believed in Jesus, followed him closely for three and a half years. They were excited about the kingdom of God. But when he was crucified, they lost their faith. They lost their hope. They threw in the towel, but on the third day when he got up, we, we looked at the fact that their faith got back up and they were able to believe again. Last week, we looked at the concept of dream again, and one of the things that we have to do is we have to discern between our dream and God's dream, and what we have to understand about God's dream is that it's always bigger and better than our dream. And so we looked at Abraham, how that he had a dream to be a father. He wanted a son so desperately. But God's dream for Abraham was not just that he would have a son. God wanted Abraham to father a nation. And so his dream was much bigger. It was much better than Abraham's dream. And some of you have been through some difficult seasons in your life, and you've put some dreams on hold. And we just um, really felt like God wants to breathe new life on your dreams to help you get up and move forward. Today, um, I want to finish this series with a, with this title. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about laugh again. Come on, look at your neighbor and don't laugh at him. Just tell him laugh again. All right, laugh again. All right, and I'm I'm not talking about. Um, laughing at a joke or anything like that. I'm talking about some of us, we need to have an infusion of God's joy. Like we really need God's joy. And you're like, well, I do have joy. Well, tell your face, right? I mean, uh, some of us really need a dose of God's joy. And maybe it's been a while since you felt that joy or you've enjoyed your life or felt fulfilled because life can be hard, life can be difficult, life can sometimes put us in a position where we feel like we have nothing left to give. But today, I believe by the help of the Holy Spirit, some of you are going to leave this place with the joy of the Lord and you're going to laugh again. I want to go back to our foundational scripture from Revelation chapter 1, verse number 18. It says, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. 
Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The keys that Jesus is speaking of here will help deliver you from all the hell that you go through. Anybody ever felt like you were going through hell? Come on, somebody. Like, like, but these keys can help you walk through the hell that you go through. And the, what we've been really trying to communicate over the last couple of weeks is that God has the ability, okay, not only the ability, God has the willingness to resurrect anything that's dead or anything that's dying in our life. And there are different kinds of death. Most of us, when we think of death, we think about physical death. But there are other kinds of deaths. It may be a death in your emotions. It could be a death um, as far as your relationships go or the loss of a job or finances. And, and we all have had things that are dead or things that are dying. And, and when we have those seasons that are like that, we often feel like there's something missing, like, like something's just not there. We, we don't always know how to articulate that. And, and what I believe is that many of us are suffering from the death of our souls. And, and I don't mean that you're not saved. I don't mean that you don't love Jesus. But I am talking about the fact that you can go through so much pain, trauma, rejection, betrayal, all the stuff you deal with in life that, that your soul is being affected. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And many of us, if we were to be honest today, we would have to admit that we are experiencing a death in our emotions, in our soul. And, and so um, we have to stop and say, what causes that kind of death? What causes us to end up at a place like that? And I think the answer is really simple. I think it's, it, it, it all boils down to the storms of life. Everybody say storms. All right? We all face storms. We all go through things. And, and storms are simply the circumstances that we go through that we don't really plan for. We don't really expect. How many of you don't plan for storms in your personal life? Usually storms just happen. You didn't mean for that divorce to happen. You never meant for that, but it happened. You, you never meant to file bankruptcy. You never thought you would have to go through that. You, you never thought that you would experience the loss of that person that was so young, and, and yet for some reason they, they, they've gone on, and you've gone through that. Those are storms that we're not able to prepare for. And, and so the worst place we can be in, though, is when we are allowing those external storms to impact what is going on on the inside of us. And, and, and that's, that's a dangerous place to be. And the reason that's a dangerous place to be is because as believers, we are instructed all throughout the scriptures that we don't live from the outside in. We don't live from external to internal, but we have been called to live from the inside out, that the internal is supposed to affect the external. And so what, what do we do, though, when we feel like we're dying on the inside? What, what, what do we do when we feel like, you know what, I just don't have any fight left, I don't have any joy, all these problems, all these storms, how do we respond to that? And, and last week we used Abraham as a backdrop, this week I want to use Paul, because the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he should be our hero 
as it relates to going through trouble, all right? He went through so much stuff, it seemed like he went from one trial to the next trial to the next trial to the next trial. He was constantly having circumstances come against him. Now, not only did he go through some stuff, many times it looked like he couldn't catch a break. I mean, look at some of the things Paul went through. Scripture says this about him. He was shipwrecked. Most people don't have to say I was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. That's a good one, isn't it? He was placed in prison. He was betrayed. And he was stoned. And I'm not talking about recreationally. Like, I'm talking about rocks. Come on, y'all. He was something like, well, praise God. I'm glad he got some relief. You know, he went through all that. That's not what we're talking about. They hit him with some rocks. See, y'all laughing already. It's working, Lord. All right. So he went through a lot of stuff, and he had it bad. But the thing about Paul is he never lost heart. In the midst of all the stuff he went through, he didn't lose his joy. Acts chapter 27 says this. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they had wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, though, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. And the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it, and we were driven along. And I want to stop there. Scripture says that they gave way to the storm. They gave way to the circumstance that had come against them. And and we have that thing in us. All of us, you know, have that thing in us where we will fight. Like, how many fighters do I have? Like, you're going to scratch, you're going to claw, you're going to do whatever it takes to get something done. You're going you're to keep fighting, you're going to keep pushing. But what I have learned about the storms of life is that if you continue to face one storm after another storm, one trouble after another trouble, one crisis after another crisis, eventually your fight runs out. And so that's what happened here. They, their fight had ran out, and they started to give way. We just got to whatever this storm is going to do to us, then it's going to do that to us. Um, and, and the verse goes on. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. So the storm is so severe that they're taking things they need and they're throwing it off the boat, all right? They're getting rid of valuable stuff because of the storm that they're in. And that caused me to stop and think about the things that, that sometimes when people go through a crisis, a, a, a problem, you know, they're, they're going through difficulty. If we're not careful, if we don't respond appropriately to what we're going through, we start throwing valuable things overboard. We start throwing For some people, they go through so much and they throw their faith overboard. I don't believe God is with me. They throw their trust. They throw their morals out the window because they've gone through so much stuff that they start chucking, all right, the valuable things. And my question for you today is, whatever you're going through, what valuable things have you thrown overboard that you might need to pick up again? What is it that 
that you have tossed because of all the problems that you face. The scripture goes on, it says, on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So we see the end result of this storm is that they had lost hope. They lost faith. They, we, we could say it like this, they lost joy. And as I was praying and studying for this message this week, I really felt that over these three services this morning that there would be lots of people under the sound of my voice who are here today, but if you were really honest, you would admit that you have lost your joy. You have lost that, that passion, that, that zeal that you once had. And, and, and we've all been in seasons where we've gone through so much that we've, we've kind of thrown in the towel on our joy. Our joy tank is running low. We've all been in seasons like that. And what we have to understand, though, is everybody is either in a storm, getting ready to go into a storm, or they're just coming out of a storm. Every person under the sound of my voice, all right? And, and, and you say, well, pastor, that's not very positive. Well, I'm going to give you a positive statement. I'm positive you're going to deal with trouble. I'm very positive in that. That you are going to face some things that you didn't sign up for. You're going to face some stuff that you really don't want. Have you ever had so many problems that you just, you, you got to a place, I don't even want to face this stuff. Like, I don't even want to, like, have you ever said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And some of you are, you feel like you're there. I'm just done. But I want to give you four quick facts about storms, and then we'll end with three practical keys to move into joy, all right? The first thing you got to know about your storms is, number one, is they are inevitable. They are going to happen. There is no way around it. Nobody has. I know you look at people on TV, and they call it reality TV and all that, and you look at people and say, they just got the perfect life. Ain't nobody got a perfect life. How many of we get in trouble when we start comparing ourselves by ourselves? Scripture talks about that. The comparison trap is a dangerous trap. We start looking at other people. Well, they don't have to deal with what I got to deal with, and they have it so much better than me. And, and what happens is, is that when we go through so many things, so many storms, we start trying to protect ourselves. We move in to self-preservation mode. I'm, no, I'm going to put walls up. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I've been hurt too many times. I'm going to make sure that nothing, nothing bad happens to me. And when we get in that mode, what we don't know is that we're setting ourselves up for failure. And, and the reason being is that we need to stop and understand today, God's job description is not to keep bad things from happening to you. God's job description is not keeping bad things from happening to you. And, and look at this, what Jesus said, John 16, 33. Jesus said this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, you, you got to stop right there. In him we have peace, all right? But watch what he says. In this world, where y'all live? In this world you will have trouble, all right? Let's just stop right there. Every promise in the Bible belongs to you, including this one. This is a promise. 
Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. Now, no one likes that verse. No one is going to make that their life verse. Like, that's what I'm going to put on the fridge. In the world, I'm going to have trouble every morning. Praise God. Let's go do it. Nobody. Nobody likes that's not That's not anybody's life verse. God doesn't promise to keep us from trouble. He promises you're going to have trouble. But the cool thing is, is that when we serve God, is that no matter what trouble comes our way, God already has a rescue plan. Jesus said, I've overcome it. All right? So he's not going to prevent it, but he will help you. So storms are inevitable. Secondly, they're unpredictable. You cannot plan for it. And that's the crazy thing about storms because you really have no idea when they're coming, how long they're going to stay, how much damage will be done. I thought about the windstorm we had a few years ago. You guys remember that? Yeah, I lost 22 pounds of sweat, right? Lost electric and everything because of the windstorm. And, and nobody, had, nobody was able to plan for that, prepare for that. The flood of last year. The month of June, it was just raining one day. Me and Justin had plans to play golf that day. We were on the phone. Are we going to be able to play? And the next thing we knew, the whole place is flooded. How many know you don't plan for things like that? You don't see things coming. Jeremiah 4 and 20 says, Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. The prophet's saying here that, that trouble comes, disaster comes. And sometimes it, it will come on the heels of a previous storm. How many of you, sometimes life just seems like every step you take, you're met with a different obstacle. Can we just be real in church today? That sometimes you have seasons where it's not that good. And it seems like, well, we just got through that. And you think, we can breathe only to be hit with something else. And so the prophet is letting us know that, that these storms are going to come, and sometimes they keep coming. So they're inevitable, they're unpredictable. Number three, we don't like this, they're impartial. What do I mean by that? Whenever we go through storms, most of us, we, we, we want to stop and say, God? Y'all talk to him like that? God? Why me? But it's the wrong question. The question should be, why not me? Because storms are impartial. And, and it's, in, it's in our nature to think that if we're good, then all of our results will be good. That's human nature. But that's not what the Bible teach, teaches. How many of you can be good and still experience bad? I'm going to take it a step further. You can be bad and experience good. Let me show you what I'm talking. Now, that's not going to last, but let me show you what I'm talking. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus is letting us know bad things sometimes happen to good people. And good things sometimes happens to bad people. And everyone goes through bad seasons, and it's in our nature to connect bad seasons or bad difficulty, trouble that's coming against us. We want to connect it to something we did wrong. Have you ever had a season where it was so bad you thought, what did I do wrong? Right? That's in our nature. What did I do wrong? Why is all the bad happening to me? What did I do wrong? And the disciples were no different. 
They were following Jesus for three and a half years, but on one occasion, they saw this guy who was blind. And they looked at Jesus, and they looked at the blind man, and they they said this to Jesus. Is this man blind because he sinned, he did something wrong, or is he blind because his parents sinned? Now watch this. They didn't give Jesus like multiple choice as in A, B, C, and D. They gave him two options. He's blind. It has to be because he sinned or because his parents sinned. And Jesus is like, y'all need to hold up. Your theology is really messed up. You guys haven't got this figured out. It's not about him sinning. It's not about his parents sinning. Jesus told him, he said, he didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. He's blind, but he's, and here's what Jesus said. This is simply an opportunity for the glory of God to be manifested. Sometimes, church, what you're going through has nothing to do with what you've done or not done. Sometimes what you're going through is because life just happens. I know you want to make everything spiritual. The devil's all over me, pastor. Well, what happened? I was on my way to work, and I got a flat tire. Come to find out, they should have replaced those tires two years ago. Wires sticking up out of them. The devil didn't do it. Not everything's spiritual. Some things are spiritual, but not everything is spiritual. Some things happen because life happens. And so... Storms are inevitable, they're unpredictable, they're impartial. And number four, last thing about storms, they are temporary. This is good news for somebody because whatever you're going through, I promise you, this too will pass. See, one of the devil's objectives is to make us think that what we're going through is permanent. That that your marriage problems, they'll be here until death do us part. This crazy kid, I'll be dead and gone before he changes. He loves my financial problems, I'll always be broke. Come on, some of y'all been saying that stuff. I guess this is just the way life is. No, it will pass. And here's, and I didn't even put, I should have put this on the slide because if you get anything today, here's what I want you to know as it relates to joy. Storms come, storms go, Jesus remains. There's your takeaway. Tweet that. There you go. Storms come, storms go, but Jesus remains. Hebrews chapter 10 says, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So he says, when you're going through a bunch of stuff, don't throw away your confidence. Because if you don't throw away your confidence, eventually you will be richly rewarded is what he's talking about. But what he's really saying to us is that you got to keep pushing. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, keep pushing. Some of us, man, we get in the middle of it and we quit. We throw in the towel. We give up. We, we're, how many, in the kingdom, you're either moving forward or backward. So I'm just stagnant. I'm just going, right here, pastor. 
No, we're either, we're either going forward or we're moving backward. And many of us, because of the stuff we go through, we, we reach a place where we, we refuse to persevere. But perseverance is so important because it produces genuine faith. It gives us stability. Now, this psalm just jumped off the pages to me this week. I want you to get this. Psalm 126 Verses 1 through 6, this is powerful. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were, key word, we were filled with joy. He's talking past tense, all right? What he's doing, okay, the context is the psalmist is recalling the glory days. He sounds like the church world. Y'all know the people that all they talk about is the good old days, how we had it back there. Oh, God's presence was amazing back there. That's what he's doing. He's recalling it. Then he says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So he's recalling those glory days, talking about how great it was, how he remembered what God had done, but he's writing this in the midst of tragedy. He's going through a storm, like things are not good. And he's writing this, and he's asking God, would you restore our fortunes like the streams of Negev? Now, this is, this is so awesome because the Negev is in the southern part of Israel. And the Negev is a barren place. It's a dry place. And in this dry place, though, here in the Negev, there are natural springs, And these natural springs produce some of the purest water on the planet. And the psalmist is connecting the Negev to his own life. He's admitting that I'm in a dry place. I'm in a barren place. I don't have hope. I don't have joy. So will you restore, God, the fortunes to us as that of the Negev? And so what he's saying is that that I want that same streams that's in that barren, dry place in the Negev, that oasis that is there, God, would you help me to find fresh water in a dry place? And I came by to encourage someone today that God sees the wasteland that is called our life. He sees us in the barren and in the dryness, but what you know is what you need to know is Jesus will always pour fresh water on those that are thirsty. Does anybody need a good outpouring of God's water on your soul to refresh that dry place? And it's I love it because he said, I found this spring in the midst of a dry place. What if today, what if today is your day to find a spring? for your soul to be refreshed. And I love what the psalmist does here because he goes on to say, he says, those who sow in tears. Have you ever been in a season that was so tough that all you could do was cry? Come on, man, you don't have to say anything. Just look straight ahead. (laughs) Those who sow in tears, he said they will reap with songs of joy. Man, as I was praying about this week, I I got a picture of people sowing. A lot of us, we think sowing is all 
financial. Like it's, we sow seed, money. But how many know that there's other ways to sow? And, and I got this picture. He said, those who sow in tears, that your tears become seeds. Some of you have been sowing, you've been sowing, you've been sowing. You've been watering that marriage. You've been planting seeds in the marriage. You've been investing in it. You've been getting up early every day, getting the kids ready for school. Come on, somebody, you're sowing, right? You're sending them on their way. You've been worshiping in a bad season, like things are not good, but you keep planting seeds. You're sowing. You've kept a good attitude, even though your circumstances have not changed. You've been sowing and sowing and sowing. You've been sowing in tears, but God sent me to Bethesda this morning with one assignment, and that is to let you you know you have been sowing in tears, but you are about to reap with songs of joy. That laughter is about to be a real thing in your life again. Man, it's, it's miserable to go through life and not have joy. I've met some Christians, and man, if I didn't know, should I even go there? I believe that there are some people under the sound of my voice that you're about to reap some joy. Your season, I'm speaking prophetically, has been long, it's been dark, it's been dry, and it's been barren. God says, I've seen the tears you have sown, and you will reap again in joy. Look at this translation from the message. It says this, a pilgrim song, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned to Zion's, ex- returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now God, listen to what he says, do it again. God, do it again. We know what it looks like to have joy. We know what it looks like to be happy. He said, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who plant their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with arm loads of blessing. Man, some of you are about to get loaded down with God's blessing. God is going to bring about a harvest in your life. And, and, and that's, that's the pivotal thing that, that, that you got to stop and realize that whatever season you're in, don't allow the devil to rob you of your joy. That whatever it is you're facing. Uh, we, we talked in week one about believe again, last week dream again, and, and I really this week, I want you to laugh again. And not because Pastor Chad said it's time to laugh. I want it to be sincere and because the presence of God has touched your heart. The Apostle Paul As we said earlier, he went through so many things, so many difficulties, so many struggles. Nothing worked out for this guy. On one occasion, he's on his way to preach a crusade. And and you have to know the Apostle Paul was so anointed. And and sometimes, y'all think I preach long? The Apostle Paul preached so long one time that a guy fell asleep and fell out a window and died. It's in your Bible. He fell asleep in the sermon, fell out, and died. All right? How many know you have to preach a long time for you to get in that deep of a sleep? <laughs> Scripture says, though, he went and raised him up from the dead. 
All right, so this is an anointed man of God. Everywhere he went, like kingdom things happened. God would show up. But he always had struggles. And on one occasion, he's on his way to preach this crusade. And while he's en route to preach the crusade, he gets arrested. Now think about this. Some of us, if that was us, now, Lord, I'm just trying to do your good work. I know what some of us do. I'm just trying to preach your word, right? We start pointing to God and, and, and saying, God, why is this happening to me? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm trying to do what you have called me to do. And now I'm arrested en route to do your will. But in the middle of this, in the middle of being arrested and spending two years in a Roman jail, Paul gives us this little book that is so powerful, so powerful, we're going to do a whole month on it in June. We're going to talk about this little book called Philippians. The book of Philippians is all about joy. I, I got to stop. I got to let you know. Paul wrote this book from a prison cell. And the whole book is encouraging you and I to have joy. Can we think about that for just a minute? Some of us, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> I've gone through so much. Paul is arrested. He's put in jail. And in the midst of all of that, he writes a letter to encourage you that your joy be full. So joy is not about all my circumstances lining up. That's called happiness. Happiness and joy are not the same. You know what's wrong in the modern church? We all want to be happy. And you can tell whether people are operating in true joy or happiness because when people don't get their way, All of a sudden, their joy is gone, their happiness is gone, their worship is gone. Why? Because they want happiness. Happiness is all about circumstances. Joy is not about circumstances. Joy is something you can have even in a prison cell. Oh, this church is quiet this morning. That just means I'm preaching good. All right. So let me give you three practical steps, and then we'll get out of here. Number one, stop focusing on the past. If you're going to come out and laugh again, you got to stop focusing on the past. Some of you need to know God has given you permission to move on. You know why we fail to move on? We fail to move on because we think if we move on, it will discredit or disrespect what we've been through. Our pride won't let us move on. Our pride won't let us move on. Nope, can't move on. It'll disrespect what I've been through. It's a lie of the enemy. Touch two people and tell them, move on. Oh, Lord, y'all are weak today. <laughs> All right, find two new people and tell them, move on. <laughs> I'm going to give y'all a reason to smile again here. Worship team, come back, and I'll quit in just a second. Look at what Paul says. He's sitting in prison, and he's not talking about the crusade he missed. Look at what Paul says. Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
So Paul's not in prison talking about the opportunity he missed to preach the gospel to thousands of people. He's in the prison saying the plan of God is working. What the enemy has meant for evil, God has set me up for his good. So we got to get past the endless why questions and we got to start embracing, watch this, number two, new opportunities. You have to discover the new opportunities. Anybody can moan and groan. You're not anointed. Anybody can moan and groan. It doesn't take God. It doesn't take the anointing to do that. I know you didn't plan for all the bad stuff to happen. We don't plan for storms. We understand that. They're not predictable. We have no idea how long they're going to stay. But we can control how we respond to whatever it is we're facing. Paul says in verses 13 and 14, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul's like, no crusade, no problem. I got a jailer right here that needs Jesus. Now, how many of us would have that kind of perspective? That I'm missing out on the crusade, but I see a jailer here who needs Jesus and this person here that needs Jesus, and, and I'm going to encourage the churches while I'm here to be encouraged, to, uh, to, to have joy, to not allow the enemy to steal their joy, to rejoice in Philippians in all things, right? That, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and, and I thought about this truth. If Paul doesn't get arrested and miss the crusade, we're not getting this lesson today. How many know God has a plan? And whatever you've been through, if you respond appropriately, how many know God will give you beauty for ashes? God can turn the darkness. He can turn the morning. He can turn all of that around for you. But we have to respond appropriately. And the third thing, last thing, focus on what really matters. Focus on what really matters. This is the internal versus the external. We have to make a decision that what's going on out here is not going to affect in here any longer. Because as Christians, we are instructed to live not from the outside in, but from the inside out. That joy is not based on what I'm going through. And Paul understood that what he went through in this life paled in comparison to eternity. Paul realized, and some of you need to be reminded today, this is not your home. I know I sound old school today, but let me be old school for just a minute. We are just passing through. Jesus is coming back again. This is not my permanent zip code. I'm a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of the King. And we need to be reminded. We need to put that in perspective. And they came to Paul after a couple of years in prison. And here's the news they brought to Paul. They said, Paul, now we're going to kill you. You think, well, that was probably it. Paul probably lost his joy then. Look at what Paul said. Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's Paul saying? He said, guys... I'm in jail. You're telling me you're going to kill me. I'm in a win-win situation. Go ahead, kill me. Guess what? I'll be in the presence of Jesus. 
keep me alive, and I'm going to keep winning people for Jesus. God, grab, what do you do with a guy like that? We leave him alive, he's winning everybody to Jesus. We kill him, he's excited. He had eternity in perspective. And some of us need to know that what we're going through, listen, it will pass. It's just a season. Storms come, storms go. But at the end of the day, Jesus always remains. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. He always remains. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give God a shout of praise in this house today. Come on. Come on, let's give him some worship. Let's give him some praise today. Joy is coming to you today. Many of you are going to laugh again. I'm praying that your external works out, but what I really want you to grab hold of is that even if the external doesn't work out, that you can have joy in the midst of what you're going through. Would you bow your heads for just a minute and close your eyes? No one looking around. I want to speak to those that are in this room that are not in a relationship with Jesus, the first step you have to make is to connect to the stream that is in your wasteland. Jesus is that stream. He told a woman at a well one day who came to draw water, natural water, and she had been searching everywhere to have her thirst quenched. So much so that the Bible says she had five husbands. How many know that's more than thirsty? She had a lot going on. Jesus said, if you'll take the water that I'm offering, you won't be searching for another husband. You won't be looking for fulfillment in anything else. I am your fulfillment is what he was trying to communicate to her. And some of you today, you're without Christ and you've been looking for fulfillment and looking for happiness and looking for joy, but you've been looking at all the wrong wells. Today is an opportunity for you to acknowledge that Jesus is the stream in your desert. So if you're in this place today and you say, I need Jesus, I need to be forgiven. If you're watching online, we have people ready to pray for you as well. But if you're in this room, would you say, Pastor, that's me, I need Jesus. Do that by throwing your hand up right there where you are. Just say, I need Jesus today. Thank you for this hand here in the middle. God bless you. Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. Another one over here. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? You say, that's me today. I need Jesus today. Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Another one here. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. We're going to lift our voice with those hands that have went up. And let's pray this together today. Come on, every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those individuals today. Yeah. Amen, that's what it's all about right there. I'm going to ask my prayer team and staff to come forward. We got one last worship song. And, man, let's just get our perspective right. Let's sing praises to God. And I believe God is going to restore some people's joy. If you need prayer today, we are here to pray with you. We never want you to leave a service where you feel like you couldn't receive prayer. So please take advantage of this. We got some awesome men and women that are ready and willing to pray with you. So one more time, though, before we sing this song, can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, church. God bless you. Thank you for being here.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.